sitting high atop the Ruth E. Plowden Legacy Chair. Well, my homeboy, the co-host, Mr. Mike B. What's up, everybody? Yeah. So, Greg, let us know how we sound out there. Which we're adding every time we come on the air, y'all. We got something new. So we want to make sure that our new additions of the, of the sound gear is working. I want to make sure everybody can hear Mike nice and clear. Sounds good in the live environment. If uh, the VP could let us know how it sounds on your end, brother. We'll change the privacy so everybody in the world can see it. So what's up, Black? Hanging out, man. Huh? What you think, man? Enjoying being in the studio with you. Being in the live studio, huh? It is is so smooth up in here. I'm telling you. Yeah. Relaxation station. Relaxation station. Very nice to have a guests up in here and uh am i the first guest in here no you really are well sadie was sadie, sadie beats you brother well yeah, yeah. sadie beats you she should <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um you know the the reality is, is that this is a long way from where we started it very much is a long way greg you can hear us thanks brother that's what we needed to know man appreciate you Greg is handling it from from satellite remote, right? He ha- <laughs> he helping right. us out from remote locations. That's right. And so, for those of you who are wondering what we're fumbling around with, this is Impact Life twenty four seven with your host and co host in the building, Mister Mike B. We look, we're even dressed alike today. You know what I mean, <laughs> Ebony and Ivory. <laughs> and so, that's right. This is we are really trying to take. Impacting Life 24-7, the podcast, and impacting more broadly, the the company. We're trying to take this somewhere, bro. That's right. And when Mike and I and Greg first started this evolution, we had some really we had some really ghetto equipment, didn't we? We did. <laughs> and we still do. <laughs> <laughs> when when you think about when you think about where we start, what do you mean we still do? We well, well, the stuff that you got new stuff, I get the hand me downs as, oh. as the co host. Oh yeah. So when I say we, you know, maybe yeah. let down the line. Well, obviously. here's the, here's the here's the reality though, and thank you guys for tuning in. Here's the reality, Mike, is that one of the things that people don't do is that they don't stick with it. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's right. Like. We've been at this a while, at 2019, and I went back. Do you remember us being carried on Messy.fm? Remember that that outlet? I do. And that was that. Just the name itself was like, bum, bum, chicka, wow. what was you do? What was we doing on that outlet, bro? I mean, it should have gave you a clue by the name, Messy, because the podcasts were messy. Yeah, yeah. And they were saying podcasts don't have to be messy. I was just like, uh, I don't think that's just gonna flow with what we try to do. Yeah, no. And uh, we, we we had everything free, used everything free. So messy was free. I was recording on my phone. Didn't have no tracks, no yeah, sound, no ring equipment. lights, nothing. No nothing, man. Just like right. hold, you know, like <laughs> holding the light in one hand. <laughs> With the microphone the other, pushing the button. Get out of my room, kids. <laughs> kids flying in there, dogs barking. I'll get the chores later, honey. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and here we are now, man. You know what I mean? And the next step, though. Right. Because there's always a next step. There should be a next step in your life. There should, if you ever get to the point where there's not a next step, then you ain't living. Right. That's right? right. That's right. And, and. Oh, I, I, you know what? I'm going to do this live because I just want him to hear 
how good it sounds, brother. Okay. I want you to. I, we don't have the adapter, so we both can hear. But I'm gonna get that adapter. You see how how crisp and clean we are, brother. Sounds smooth, man. But it's smooth as silk, man, huh? Right. Yeah. So you can keep them on. Okay. I, I don't need to hear myself, because um, I hear me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> My wife's like, "Are you listening to yourself again?" <laughs> uh, yeah. But but you know the the next step is syndication. That's right. Right? Right. We, we're not stopping here. The next step is syndication. And I truly do believe, Mike, that that you and I can do it. You know what I mean? I believe we can do it. Yes, sir. What are your thoughts on syndication? Yeah, my thoughts are syndication is just an excellent way to um, just be in the studio, in the pre-show, as it were. We were talking about um, how when you're syndicated and you're just on the mic and you're creating content, I definitely think that's where CL is the master, where he just can focus on creating content. You know, uh, we also talked about how when you're setting up the show, there's so many steps that go on uh, to set this thing up to for us to go live. It's it's not a click of a button. It's very they, te- they very don't technical. they don't know, do they, bro? That's right. They don't yeah. know. Tech, it's technical. All different programs you use, the things you got to do in the background, the preparation. Some of it's got to. Some of it is like you got to throw the ball, then run down the field and catch it, ain't it? <laughs> That's right. Touchdown. C.O. King. Uh, C.O. King on the pass. And, and, you know, at any given moment, any of those things can go wrong. Fumble. C.O. King, fumble. Turnover on downs. (laughs) Turnover on downs. And so, you know, Greg says, I believe. And that's what what we're doing, ladies and gentlemen. We, We believe... That this is, I know we're we're in the next phase. We're in phase two, bro. That's right. But I'm just telling you, man. That we're gonna look back at this and be like, dog. Remember we was we was in that little bitty room that you painted. You had a, you know what I mean. You had right. a cheesy little. You know what I mean. We're gonna look back at this and say, wow. You know. Right. But I believe also because, um, you know, Mike, we've been we've been true to the core mission. We have. We, we really have. It's always been about others, and it's going to continue to be about others, and regardless of which avenue we do it, syndication, yeah. writing books. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm inspired to write another book, but, you know, I'm trying to just take things that I know. It's like can we, right somebody asked me today, you know, and we're, we're interviewing Mike tonight, so we'll probably go a little bit long, but we do got some pizza downstairs, brother. It smells so good. Okay. And, and let me just tell you, I want I I I said I'm gonna suffer the pain with you. Okay. I did not take a bite. Um, that's awesome. I uh, would I would have taken a bite. You would. <laughs> and the peppers was down there, and the I would have wiped off the evidence and been like, "Sucks to be you, pal." I just I just had two slices downstairs. <laughs> See, but I'm having this condition that I got to get checked out. That seemingly everything I eat is not wanting to stick around. <laughs> It's like, uh, even in, remember on the show, bro, I've had to have, <laughs> I can't let that secret out, right? Yeah, you've had to have some backup. Uh, stand by for your next commercial. Right. Um, and back to you, Chuck. <laughs> back to you, Bob. How's the weather out there? Well, it's uh, 70 degrees and sunny. Keep talking. <laughs> uh, you need longer? Roger that. Great. He's been sending me messages like, "Oh my gosh, it's so embarrassing, man!" And uh, gotta go get, <laughs> gotta go get my blood work. So uh, our health is important. You know what I mean, health bro? And we're on the other side of the forties, about to approach the fifties, 
And, uh, you know, things just start, white wheels just start falling off this wagon, bro. Check engine light. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> That's right. Take it in. Yeah. And so uh, I've had a, a, an appointment to get the blood work done, and I just haven't done it. I, um, I need to go do it. Probably do it tomorrow, man, because it's it shouldn't be. And I looked it up, but it shouldn't be that you have to go potty right after you eat. Right. You know what I mean? Because that, that's not... It, it's just it's a syndrome and so i just need to get it taken care of man i got you because I, I would like to have a show where i can eat during the show that's right <laughs> we could be we should be eating pizza now in fact <laughs> oh but that i was doing that early on in the show early on in the the history of impacting life i was sneaking bites of food if that was so ghetto man so here we are ibs maybe <laughs> you know i'm hearing about that uh greg that that may be the case but here we are at Impacting Life 24-7, new and improved studios. My first official guest, of course, my granddaughter, Sadie, we brought her up here as a guest. But we wanted to have our, our next official guest as our, our co-host, someone who has been my friend for 20-plus years, and a guy who is a man of integrity, uh, someone who believes in the vision. He he prods me and makes me think outside of my crazy thinking sometimes. He's like he's like the he's like the yin and the yang. You know what I mean? He's like the Zen. Because sometimes I'm just like all over the place. And he helps me to be centered and like reevaluate things. Like for our company, for example, he's writing all the directives, all of the job guides, the job aids. You know what I mean? We're, he, he's doing that for us. And we're serious about this. We we had a business meeting the other day, and we talked money, didn't we? Sure did. We talked who going to get what, how it's going to be dispersed, and we're, gonna put, we're putting that in writing. So because we know that the devil's crafty, brother. He he's, sure he's crafty, right? He sure is. And the, the last thing we want is oh yes i hit audacity thank goodness black the last thing we want is because people go into business and then the food start tasting different at the table right 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 we're clear on what we're doing and how it's dispersed and if it if it deviates we just will close it down if we can't if we can't navigate through it but i'm with three gentlemen it's us three amigos right that uh i mean we have Greg, the VP who's been with me since day one, and we, Mike and I was asking, like, why didn't, why weren't you, why, you know what I mean? There's yeah. so many things, but. I mean, all the times that you traveled. Yeah. And, and I wish I could have been there. Um, but, but you know what, though? Uh, t- I believe our friendship wasn't seasonal. Right. 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 But maybe God needed me to get some things set me and Greg to get some things set because you're more analytical you would have not liked the beginning stuff because it was just like whew, spur of the moment let's go oh they call it this here we go the, you would yeah you don't do well with we that got, we got to get some organization <laughs> yeah right and uh so mike as the uh operations uh what is what is your title in the company you don't remember i don't remember Okay, CEO, Vice President, Operations Officer. Operations Officer. That's right, yeah. Right. But everything for us in the company is one-third. Right. We all gave the same amount to start it. Uh, I do have to put this disclaimer that I gave a dollar more. Sure. <laughs> we understand. And so we're here with Mike Black to talk about a very special event that's been unfolding for so how long has this been really going on it's uh started thinking about the book in 2018 
the end of 18 and uh, didn't put words on a paper until 2020. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's just was a thought. And then I just started just writing slowly. And, um, and you know, that methodology kind of goes with the book, you know, a, lo- a little bit at a time. Yeah, it does. And so the title of Mike's book that is going to be releasing any day, it's done. We, he's going through one final edit, but that's just that's just a cursory edit. So that, you know, you, you can never edit enough, can you, Black? That's right. You know I've, what I mean? I've, I've edited it five or six times myself. People have read it, and then other people have read it, and then the last person's editing it now. So, right. Um, um, but, you know, if we could, before we get into the book, the process has been illuminating for you, hasn't it? It really has. I think just writing it, uh, sitting, sitting down and writing it on paper, like actually handwriting it, um, you know, I don't want to say it's a thing of the past, but, you mm-hmm. know, like, you know, people send cards or letters. That's what I liken it to, that it's very, very old school. Yeah, yeah I, have your letter. I have your letter that you sent me. Mike sent me. A this, this is my friend. This is how we, how he is. He sent me an actual stamped envelope with a letter in it this week. And uh, he started out by saying, I bet you can't remember the last time you got a handwritten letter. And you know that I'll keep this forever because uh, you're right, man. Some of those, some of those touches that we were blessed to be a part of, right, in the '70s and '80s, right. Those those things are are almost a thing of the past. It very much is. Nowadays, kids don't even uh, they don't teach them cursive in school, and it's a shame because people yeah. don't know how to you know write as good, right? Because writing back then was expressive. It was expressive, right. and in and, and script they call it teach you how to write in cursive. Yeah. Kids nowadays don't know how to write in cursive. They're they not barely know how to write in print. That's <laughs> Some of the stuff I'm so, seeing kids, so it's right? Like sign your name. Everybody's signature looks like a doctor's signature. <laughs> Signing off on a, on, a, on a script pad. So. Yeah. So um, for those of you tuning in who will pass by or those who will listen later, this is Impacting Life 24-7 with your host, C.L. King, joined by our co-host, Mike Black. And he's written a book entitled The Journey of One Tortoise. And the subtitle is Don't Take Me So Seriously. Don't Take Me So Seriously. Now, <clears throat> interestingly enough, we, Greg and I and Mike, we all joke about who's going to be the latest at our events. You know what I mean? We, and I just, I said, okay, Mike, I want you to come over today at 545, right? Because I was having some stuff I got behind with the interview with Sadie. Right. And I need to give myself a buffer. Well, who shows up at 530? The tortoise, the guy who never shows up early. <laughs> Greg is like three hours early. He frustrates us to no end because yes. <laughs> he's like, let's go, fellas, right? He's standing outside looking like a drill instructor. The, like, gutty, the gutty is like, come on, let's he's go. Like, he's like, I don't know why you're not here yet. Right. I, I've been here since yesterday. <laughs> and then King is a, is a diva, so I'm trying to show up halfway fashionably late. And, you know, Mike is just not bothered by it all. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> He's just I don't, I don't get bothered. Right. Just, I, I just love being with you guys. That's man. right, man. Whatever time it is, I just love being with Let's you guys. Let's just absorb that moment. And that's so, right. um, the the journey of one tortoise. Don't take me so serious. Uh, Mike's new book is it's at the copyright office. Uh, so this is how close it is. But when we talk about the journey. You've had kind of had to learn this as you go, huh? Building the plane as you fly it. Definitely. I mean, just writing a book, just the writing part, 
was almost like it was the easy easy part. Yes. And um, you know, because I'm me, I did kind of did it backwards, if you, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hand wrote everything, and then I started editing it. So I just kind of wrote whatever was on my heart mm-hmm. and whatever I was feeling, and then I would put the book down, and then I would come back to it, and I just started handwriting. Like I said, we started handwriting. So actually, I hand wrote everything, mm-hmm. then created the chapters. So can you like imagine? Yeah, let's put the chapters can together you after writing so, the whole so book. So what are the chapters? <laughs> What's the title? So I literally did it so backwards that uh, it, you know, it, I definitely look at it as inspired to write another book. I'm mm-hmm. going to definitely learn the lesson to, to be more organized and structured mm-hmm. when you're writing it and maybe join, be nerded up and join like a writer's club. Yeah. And they kind of teach you how to write. Well, y- you know, one so thing one thing I can say, Mike, is that because w- we have a lot of authors who have been on this show, and right. soon we're gonna slap all them things, down, put them behind the couch, and our books is gonna be up there. That's right. Uh, I'm just teasing y'all, but but you know, when you talk about the process, right? There are some things that are immovable, right? right. Like we found out we had to get the ISBN number, and I wound up paying for two because I didn't know what I was doing on the site. Right. You messed up the, the copyright I thing. messed up the wrong one. And you got the, they were <laughs> like, pay, he was, he pay, was, pay again. Was he like, was trying to oh, copyright Lord. his flip-flops in his house. <laughs> you don't copyright cookbooks that already been copyrighted? I don't understand. I wrote it. It's like, Lord have mercy. <laughs> and so, and then, you know, the, the other particulars that we're finding out that they're, they're we're discovering. Thank you so much, Drake, man. You are such an encourager. Um, the other things that we're discovering that we're, you know, we got to make sure we protect ourselves. We right. got to protect our work. This is something that, that you and I are experiencing because he and I are kind of going through the pains together. Right. But relative to how you write the book and even how you lay the book out, there's a lot of variability there. There very much is. You know what I mean? Like I looked because I've been looking at their stuff right. to see how they did it. Right. Right. And there's variability amongst everybody's books. Right. Some people could have 15 chapters, like my book is six chapters, uh, but they're longer chapters. Some chapters can be really short. Right. Um, also, the book cover was very interesting because when I came up with the title, then I had to try to um, figure out what I wanted the cover to look like. And uh, that whole process was very interesting. And so, you know, shout out to Jessica who helped helped me do the cover. Oh, Madrigal, yeah, yeah at the Salted Orange. Yep, she is fabulous. I mean, and they're down in my home state, Florida now. Yeah. And they experienced their first hurricane. And um, thank, thank God they made it through safe. But uh, from Washington State, they don't know nothing about the hurricanes. No, nah, man, it, look, so. uh, you about to you about to get a man-sized education down there in Florida, ain't you? Definitely. And don't let it be uh, middle of uh, July and have a hurricane and the power's out for like 15 ooh, days. Ooh, ooh. Because that's the pits, man, when it's really, really hot. I remember when we had that hurricane a couple years ago, 2018. Florence. Yeah, it was, we had power. Do you have a generator yet? I do have ge- after Florence. I got a generator. You got a generator, got so a, you're way more prepared. I than got me. I got a really nice one too, man. Really, I think it's nice. I've been living here 28 years, and every hurricane, I'm like, I'm gonna get a generator. Then I go down there, and they're like, that'll be 1750 bucks, and I'm like, I don't need a generator. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'll go to Black's house, but we were so hot, bro, right. during Florence, right? That we were taking turns spinning the ceiling fan ourselves. Oh, Lord. I'll never forget that, man. Um, 
but you, you know when when you talk about folks like Jessica, I guess along the way, right? You have you have weaved in people to help in at different elements, right? We definitely had to have help. Uh, even there's a lady at my church. Give a shout out to her that's helped me out, and um, you know just people encouraging. I think the biggest thing that's one of those. Um, how can I say it? It's uh, intangibles is that they encourage you to keep going. I mean, I think about how many times you and I encourage each other to keep going. Yeah. Where are you at? Because, you know, the tendency is what? This is difficult. I just want to quit. It I, is. I don't have to write a book. What am I writing a book for? I don't have to prove anything to anybody. Well, you know, that's interesting that you say that because you know? I've told you personally. Right. That there was times where I you kind of inspired me by telling me where you were at in your book. Right. And I'm like, oh, man. He's gonna be finished, and I'm still on chapter two. Oh, wow. you know, and it was that that w- it was that positive, uh, you know, that encouragement that say, you know, if Mike is doing it, then I need to get in gear. I need to I need to take that journey too. And and I guess that when you were writing it, because you did write it over a longer period than me, I did. Um, did did you ever experience like writer's block? You know, I think that um, I, oddly, I don't think I experienced writer's block. I think I just wanted to try to write it's almost like i tried to sublimely write to the reader mm-hmm. even though i don't really know what audience that i'm writing it to mm-hmm. and so i'm just trying to just tell a story so for me it was it was started out as the the earliest memories that i could recall right so that was like five years old so when we talk about that we talk about the chapter one deals with uh the younger years right and uh kind of like help us understand what the young chapter one younger years was about yeah, so the younger years was just like that. I started when I was five years old, things I can remember. And my early memories are that I stayed with my grandmother um, quite a bit because it was just my mom and I from age two to age seven. And so my, my grandmother used to, you know, st- used to stay with my grandmother after work while my mom was working and mm-hmm. would get off and come to her mom's house, grandma's house, and pick me up. And so I remember many nights where my mom would just work in crazy shifts and working during the day, working nights, and I was my grandparents were very influential on me as a younger kid. Mm-hmm. And I remember get taking the bus to school from my grandparents' house. And that so was a long way. And it was just, you know, the bus picked you up right in front of your house, but it was just um it was just different, you know, and so it was my mom and I, like I said, till I was seven. Um and then when age seven happened, my mom met my stepdad and they got married and so became a blended family. Yeah. So I remember uh, my mom and I staying in this one bedroom shack apartment you know, in, in a rough part of town, one, you know, one little room and Florida's hot, you know, so you got the AC there and uh, one little window unit. And so there were times where, you know, it was just, it was hot and it was stuffy. Um, but then the book just kind of progresses. It just things that, you know, I'm 44. So you think if you try to recall something, yeah, you can imagine that you remember it, but do you actually remember it? You know, a lot of detail. So it's like, what would be the, I pondered this, what would be the perfect age to write an autobiography to recall everything that you want to recall? When you're 60, you're going to recall something in your 60, for, for your 20s, you yeah. you're not going to remember, not at least detail, unless you're just, I mean, you could, right. theoretically. So, Yeah, so, and, and you know, when you think about that, uh, Celia Kibler, if you, rem- if you remember her, she's the, she's the, um, founder of pumped up parenting I, I who like uh, we have we've had on our show numerous times telling her goal is to help a million p- 
parents stop yelling at their kids. Right. I was like, where were you 27 years ago, Celia? <laughs> That's right. Every time I have her on the show, I'm on my best behavior, brother. I'm cool, calm, and collected. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to get in trouble? I don't want to get in trouble with the don't yell lady. But she said that actually um, childhood memories can go back as far as two years old. Right. I do believe Celia said it was Celia that said that. So because I remember my third birthday party. Wow. It was a Mickey Mouse cake. I'll never forget it. Um, and that was the only birthday party that I had growing up. Wow. Yeah. Three so years old. Three years old. Wow. And so I tried to make every one of my kids' birthdays at three, right. like the over-the-top birthday. I wanted them oh, to wow. always remember that one. I don't know if they did or not, but, um, y- yeah, you're, earlier, you're, you're right because it's like when is the best time to do an autobiography? And, and I want to ask you this. Some people are like, well, I'm writing a book because I'm writing a book because. But what are, what are your own internal reasons for, for writing your book? So my own internal reading, um, internal uh, feelings of writing a book is um, I just saw other people writing books. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I just kind of got inspired from them. And then I thought, wow, you know, I'm just going to give it a try. Right. And I'm such a nerd that I, wrote, I bought a book on how to write a book. And it actually listed 10 reasons why you should write a book. Okay. And so a couple of things that I remember was maybe you just want to try writing a book. Right. See if you can do it. A sense of accomplishment yeah. that you actually, you know, completed it. Um, and and the goal has never been to make money. That's, like, never actually been a goal. If people buy my book, I'm going to be thrilled, thankful, humble. So it's never been about money, you know, and it's like even – when you and I were talking, like, how much are you going to sell our book for? We're like, I don't know. What's a good price to sell it for, you know? Right. So it's just more of the enjoyment of reading, you know, my story. Um, and then I think it just builds that confidence to be able to get inspired to write another one. So, you know, my reasons for writing it might have changed. I know it, I felt your book was a lot different, obviously, that it was somewhat therapeutic yeah. in a sense to where I just started being the realization of how, really blessed I am. So let's say I scroll off and complain about something. Yeah. You know, really? Do I, do I have anything to complain about? Right, man. You know, I, it's kind of like a check yourself type of deal. Been a whole lot harder for a whole lot less. That's what it? I'm saying. Yeah, People man. that have grown up in, in worse conditions, um, I mean, so it just really smacked me is is, is with humility that, yeah. wow, you know, I, w- I mean, yeah, I came from divorce parents, but you know what? I, I had four parents. Right. So, so you always t- talk about that, too. You, right. you, you always talk about them in a favorable light. Um, one other thing that I would say is that I saw this from a quote somewhere. I think I might have shared it with you. Okay. That the, it might have been President Lincoln or somebody who said it, that the only way that the dead can affect people from the grave who are yet to be born is to write a book. Wow, that is powerful. That's dope, ain't it? That's very powerful. And I, I think also because when we think about our legacies with our kids, right, 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 that's one of the that's one of the my my whys is because not knowing my childhood, right, that my kids have only known me and Charity, right. You know what I mean, right. And so I wanted to leave something for them that after they done being mad at me because I didn't leave them no money at the funeral. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Oh, sorry. We spent it. Spent all of it. <laughs> Here's 20%. 
<laughs> go give, sell that house. Go sell the King Ranch. You better give 10% of that to the church. <laughs> you know, I wanted them to be able, and I think you do too, rel- relative to your daughter. You got one kid. You got one daughter. One daughter. And let's pray she has some, you know, not right now, but let's pray she has some, some grandkids for you. Right. But they will be a generation, two generations removed from you. Right. You know what I mean? And letting them know that this is something that is in print about your heritage, right. your lineage. That's a that's a big thing. It is very much a big thing. Um, and you can't put a price on that. No, because it will stand in perpetuity it will. forever. You know, I used vicissitudes with some folks the other day, and they thought that was a good word. I like perpetuity as well. Yeah, it sounds pinky in the air, right? That's right. Uh, the second chapter in your book is the basketball love affair. Tell us, give us a brief synopsis of that. So basketball love affair is just so special because I've just loved the game of basketball since I was probably seven or eight years old. When I moved to um, my stepdad's house, he had a basketball court in the backyard. Mm -hmm. And this court, the way I describe it in the book, is so special because it, it's almost like a a half court, but there was a moon cut out of the top. Mm -hmm. And I just remember that because it didn't have concrete and it just had dirt. But I had played on it so much that it like hardened almost like a hard clay. Okay. And so it, then it became a half court because that's how much I played on it. Really. <laughs> and you know I used to always have my buddies come over, but I mean you talk about just being a Florida kid, you know, growing up in that era to where why are you in the house? Right. Like I'm tired of you ain't at up you. in this house, right? So what? Are, you need to get out of this house. Right. It was like, oh, I'm just drinking some water, and then you get back outside. Yeah. <laughs> so, and don't be running in and out either. Yeah, you got to go to the bathroom. There's woods, <laughs> and you need to go out there and take care of your business. Right. And you'd be like knocking on the door. I got to go. Yeah. <laughs> so you know how that works. But, right. Um, but I just played basketball so much, and I played. I remember playing by myself. I would practice jump shots, layups. I would practice, you know, like um, – some people, they say they, they do something and they talk it through. So I was doing that as a kid in basketball, and I'm saying, okay, I'm going to go left, I'm going to dribble, I'm going to jump, do a jump shot. Um, and I just love the game of basketball. And then as I grew, friends came over from church. We had a lot of church family that came over, and we played. And then if I would go to friend's house, we'd play. If I would go to church, we'd play. They had church leagues. Yeah. I just love playing basketball. Well, you know, and again, for those of you swinging by, we love our live environment audience. We also appreciate our podcast audience because they are the ones that keep the lights on, brother. They sure do. Uh, the many thousands across the country and around the world. I think, what is it, 32 countries that download this podcast. You're listening to Impact Life 24-7. You're giving me a chance to chill, so I don't have to be, I don't have to carry the load so much. It's good to have somebody in the studio. Right. You can feel the vibe. Uh, and I'm thinking about the pizza. I mean, it's just great. <laughs> but um, Mike Black is our co-host of Impact Life 24-7. He's also the operations officer and one-third majority owner at Impact Life 24-7 LLC. Y'all know that we are a legitimate company recognized by the LLC, Limited Liability Company. And Mike's been my friend for 20 plus years. And we're talking about uh, his new book that's soon to be released. It's at the Copyright Office now uh, in its final edit. And it's called The Journey of One Tortoise. Don't take me so seriously. Now, the basketball love affair is something that I, I guess we can parenthetically insert now. How me and your battles on the basketball court went, huh? Yes, definitely. Um, see, I believe the record is 36 and 2. <laughs> and your wonderful host here is. Um, I'm not the two, brother. No, you're, you're I know. Cr- No, what I was going to say is he won the 36 times 
I won two, and thir- 36 were contested. That, uh, <laughs> we should have had a referee out there and keeping track. And, uh, and, and probably a, a, a nurse and everybody else because it got a bit physical and abusive. Yes. Uh, I remember one, it was funny because sometimes we'd go out there and Mike would literally beat the shorts off of me, right? Like I couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Right. And then there a little season would pass and I'd come back and dust him so bad. Right. <laughs> so crazy. Right. Uh, now, Greg, who's our VP, he won't declare what I did to him on Thanksgiving Day, one, one Thanksgiving. I met him out in Newport. Right. I think I even drove the town on purpose. Wow. And uh, – he, he he it was so bad brother he did not even eat thanksgiving dinner that's he'll have to tell you that story wow but anyway the third chapter is family and faith let's hear about that yeah so family and faith man it's just uh, i kind of go back to you know writing the book and realizing how many memories that i created uh with you know two sets of families you know mm-hmm. mom stepdad stepdad and mom and just the travel uh being able to go back and forth uh to be with different families i always felt like I just always fit in and was yeah. welcomed by the families. And I just love seeing my family. I love being around family. And the faith part of it is, is that, you know, just growing up in church, you know, um, your extended family is, you know, in church. And true. so, you know, whether you're, whether I was in Alabama one summer, West Virginia and Florida um, during the school year, you know, just, but being exposed to, you know, two sets of families. But again, I always felt welcomed. I never felt like I was like, didn't belong. I always just loved my siblings. I loved my family. And it's just, I had such a, looking back, it's like I had such a broad influence, Mm -hmm. but from different perspectives. Yeah. So four different perspectives. My mom's from New York, stepdad's from Florida, my dad's from Alabama, and my stepmom's from Alabama. So, you know, but it's, and my dad was in the military, military man, so he moved around. but it's just in my siblings. I just love all my siblings to death. Well, you know, you know, I do admire Black how you're still close with everybody. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And though, you know, your mom and dad didn't work out in 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 a marriage, your your relationship was has endured all these years. Right. And you know, faith has had to play a part in that. You De- know what I mean? Definitely. I can remember. And this is like a funny story. It's in the book um, that. Uh, my stepdad used to drive the church bus, and he um, t- he would go to the neighborhoods and he would pick up kids for church, you know. But uh, somehow we ended up going to church camp, and of course my stepdad drove the bus and my mom went. And as a kid, you think, "Oh man, your mom's going to church camp with you." Yeah. But I like my mom is cool. My stepdad was cool. It never was. I never felt like embarrassed by them. But of course they go. We go to church camp, and you know. The preachers are trying to motivate the kids to, you know, live for Jesus and right. keep doing things the right way. And uh, my mom was there, and so all the kids were hugging on my mom, and I'm like, get back. That's my mom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because, uh, again, thank you guys for tuning in. What's up, Brother KT, out there in Houston? Send me another meeting maker so I can get on with you, brother. I, I don't know what I did with it. Uh, love and appreciate KT out there in Houston. Um, every month. We now go to, we're blessed to go to the Craven County Jail. Yes. Every month. That is awesome. And uh, we've been doing it consecutively now for four straight, this will be our fourth month. Fourth month. And I, I, somebody says, well, what's the, what's the end game? And what's, there isn't one, man. We're just, we're just, we're just trying to be a blessing. 
And the last, the last event, the last time we went to speak to the residents there, um, Mr. Black was, uh, not only did he give a portion of the presentation, which he absolutely crushed it, but he also, the ladies in, in, in the F block, is it F block? I think so. Oh, no, E block. A block. Yeah, they asked him to close it out in prayer. So now we don't go there as a church. Right. We don't go there to push religion or, or whatever. But how we how we are in our faith, it shines out. That's right. You know what I mean? It's like it's not something that you have to put on. It just comes out. Yeah, it's just and natural. it was really amazing that, that those ladies just overwhelmingly said, because I was done with my, you know, I was done. I was sweating and screaming and carrying on. Right. And then they said, yeah, have Mr. Black close us out. And I was just like, so, so, so the love of God is shining through to these people. That's right. And uh, faith is is what you know. When everything else fails, right? Our faith in God is is powerful. That's you do it. talk about your time in in the Marine Corps and work life. Tell us about that. Yeah. So the uh, my time in the Marines was uh, back in the day. You know, now it's funny. I say I've been out of the service now for twenty six years. That's so, crazy, so boy. That means I'm old and crusty. Yeah. Um, but my time in the service was really great. My first duty station was uh, Japan. And so I spent two years in Japan and just learned about the Japanese culture, which I absolutely love it. Yeah, and you love uh, some. You love some. Man, this brother, he has me in some of the most austere places, like back alley restaurants. It's like, man, I found this great. And he, you turned me on to that, uh, was it? Pho. The pho? Yeah. <laughs> the soup was good, but the pho I couldn't get with. <laughs> yeah, and I appreciate you being a good sport because uh, between you and Camille, I can't, I can't get nobody else to go to these dive places with Now, me. I'll do sushi. We do sushi? Sushi is great. I can throw down on some sushi Yeah, now. sushi is awesome, man. So your Marine Corps time, you went overseas? Yeah, went overseas and uh, just loved serving over there and, um, you know, became a range coach. So a lot of people don't know in my past that I'm a range coach, so I know how to shoot. Really? And I taught people how to shoot. You didn't even know that. I did me. not know that. You must, what? You must not have pre-read my book. Uh, <laughs> well, I didn't get to that chapter. <laughs> um, so, you know, but I just enjoyed that. And uh, just I think looking back, too, it's just the love of this country, bro, and just mm -hmm. the service is that, you know, we're so blessed to continue, you know, in service uh, and work and whatnot. But um, it's just, you know, it's a big part of your life. And uh, I just have a lot of cool stories in there. Yeah, that when you buy the book, I think you'll get a good hearty laugh because uh, I think that don't take me so seriously is that, you know, I've had quite a bit of pranks that I've done that have just been really funny and yeah. try not to take things so seriously. You know. Well, you know, one thing that that I will say about our military service is I would say for every young person, maybe you can maybe you'd agree that if they can't find the direction that they that they want to go. Right that the service is a great place to start. It really is because it just provides discipline. Yeah. It provides structure. Uh, it provides you with a nice paycheck. I mean, you know, your yeah. son just joining my daughter. Joining He's loving the service. It, yeah. I mean, that kind of money that they're making nowadays. It ain't, it ain't making salt sandwiches at Jimmy John's, I mean, is it? You can go to a steakhouse and like buy food. Right. Right. Not, you know, back in the day, it's like, you might be able to go to the, uh, it's not a Bojangles. I forget what they had on the base, you know, but. I can't remember. Yeah, it's a chicken joint. That, yeah. That's uptown. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and, and that, that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. Another thing that, that, that I appreciate about the time we went in to the military. I, see, this is what sometimes people get twisted. Why maybe I don't take up a certain cause or one uh, an, another cause sure. is because of the time periods 
that we went in, there there wasn't in the in the squad bay. There was no racial tension. Right. 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 Y'all all black, white, Latino, whatever. Y'all had to drop and give twenty just like everybody else. Right. right definitely. And and so it forged a it forged a different mentality. You know what I'm saying? It did forge forge a bond. Um, yeah. And this is a term I heard in the Marine Corps. And, you know, it's just kind of funny that you said that. It just popped in my head, but you know. It started saying dark green marine, light green marine, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Right. But it was just like that was not offensive. Right. It was just, you know, but you, like you said, we were all together. Yeah. There was none of this, you know, it's just a different time. And you're right. Serving back in the day, it was just, it's different. Yeah. And, you know, I think, imagine, say I had a great uncle. He served in the 50s. Yeah. And imagine how the Marine Corps was for him back in the 50s. Right. You know, um, I heard that back in the day. You know, they, they would uh, put a beating on you if you didn't oh, heck do what yeah. you were supposed to do. It was do. notorious, man. You so, know. you know, I mean. So, and then and you, you talk about travel, and, you, and uh, we, we're going we're gonna to try to wrap this up. But you did talk, you talk about travel, and, I, you know, I envy the way you travel. Right. Because I, I think I told, we talked about this at Motion Church. I am a bit extra. You know what I mean? (laughs) This is like chill mode for me. I'm in neutral right now, but I'm usually a bit extra. And your travels and some of the stuff that you've told me about your travels, I would have had a coronary. Yes. But uh, tell us about that time when when you had to take a train somewhere with Olivia and it was all all over the place. So uh, first, no, you can't get a ticket because my wife works for the airlines. Uh But she started working for airlines back in 2007. And we were able to get flights. And so I would just take a flight to California to pick mm-hmm. up my daughter. She was uh, stationed with her mom out in Camp Pendleton. And so I would fly, and I would just go standby, as it were. Right. So I would take leave. I would literally save up two weeks of leave, and I'd make sure that I had plenty of time. So there was no stress. Don't make the flight. doesn't matter. I'll go home, try again tomorrow. Right. <laughs> so I'd get to California. And, of course, I had flown. I think the route was um, from... New Bern to Charlotte, Charlotte to Phoenix, Phoenix to San Diego. But somehow I had to fly into LAX because it was it was no more flights to San Diego. But because I checked my bag, I can just take my bag and just get on the flight. So you just go to the counter and say, hey, I'm flying, standby. Can I go here? They're like, sure. So when I got to LAX, I had to take a bus from LAX to San Diego. Or no, yeah, it was it was a bus. Then I picked Olivia up, and we took a train back from San Diego back to LAX to fly back out because there was something weird with uh, yeah. with that. And <laughs> like two days later, <laughs> Olivia gets a phone call from her mom, and I always am busting on her, but I always had to tell her because her mom was like spazoid. Yeah, where know? were you at? And yeah. so I'm like, just don't say a lot. You know, right, right. I'm doing fine. Yeah. <laughs> don't disclose your location. <laughs> so, of course, Olivia was like, um, I think I'm going back home to North Carolina with my dad, but we're in San Diego. And it was like two days later. <laughs> and so we had just we had just hung out. Absorbed we had fun. Moments, huh? I mean, we was in the moment. I mean, I think we went to a festival, but none of it was stress. And then I think I think also I had to pay for a flight because if you can't make it, sometimes you have to pay for a flight. Mm. And my feelings were hurt. I think it was like $1,000, and this was way back in the day. So I had to just straight up, you know, come up with $1,000 to be able to get home. Because when it works, it works. But there are times where it doesn't. You know, but but you were, you were mentioning how I fly. It's just I fly to where I'm not, I'm not uh, stressed out or anxious. Like I said, if I don't get there, I just don't get there. So, yeah. I mean, I just don't, don't stress. But I would actually would like me and you to fly somewhere. 
Just to yeah, because I'm because believe it or not, my flying routine is a little different. Like, like I am super anxious about flying. Not necessarily about flying, but like I want to be there seven hours early. You know what I mean? Right. I don't want to even go to check out the the rest of the airport. I want to sit right there waiting for the person to show up with the microphone. You know what I mean? I'm like going to be first in line on the plane. And uh, I don't have a chill mode, so I would like to be able to travel with him where he he may not even get on the flight. That's the crazy thing. Like It it may not work out. And there are times where, no joke, there was like, say, the way they did it back in the day was there was, uh, you were by seniority. Mm -hmm. So they'd say, you're number 20 on the list. Mm. Okay, so I'm standing, I'm like, okay, I'll just stand by. And But I was always friendly with the workers there, and they knew they could check the ticket that you're flying, you know, on, on a uh, family pass. But um, so there were times where there was like 20 seats ahead of me, and I would make the flight. Wow. And I would text Camille, and she'd be like, I don't know how you made that flight. You <laughs> are, I hate your face right now. Yeah. You're, you're the luckiest guy I know. And, and I'd be laughing because you think, well, how does that happen? Okay, I'll break it down. So you have a canceled flight. Mm-hmm. People don't make their connections. Then you have people that missed the flight, and so they operate off numbers. So, like, they would be calling the tickets. They'd say, King, Brown, Blue, we're going to give your seat away. And I'm right. like, yes. And then <laughs> I would get on the flight. Yeah, and, you know, uh, the, the, the thing about that is, is that we have always, I mean, in 28 years of marriage, Black, we have always traveled – with like, we gotta hurry up and get there. Right. You know right. what I mean? Like, let's go hammer down. You know what I mean? Right. Instead of, ooh, there's an overlook. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so, that's the part of. And I've, I was thinking about this today, man. I, I want to read longer books. Want to watch longer movies. I, I want to enjoy this second half. Sure. You know what I mean? You teach us that through through your travels. Uh, and then he closes out the chapters with Mike's take. Um, Mike's take is what? Basically, Mike's take on life? Yeah, it's it's just a combination of just funny sayings, and I think probably ties in and don't take me so seriously because I just come up with, like, Mike-ism, things, things that I've said that, you know, um, just picked up, you know, from family over the years, living in different places. Um, you know, I can't really – I'm trying to think of some something real clever, but you'd probably just have to just buy the book to get the – Get those mics take on there. Well, and you know that's the thing is that it would, what what you should do now is, Greg, if you're on, if you could put a link to Mike's Facebook page, where you know the infrastructure required to connect with some someone with a book who's self-publishing, it comes in layers. Like you know, the next layer is going to be his website for the book where you can buy it. He's self-publishing. He's doing it all himself, right. and um, so you can reach out to Mike at Mike Black on Facebook and uh, then connect with him and he's going to give regular updates because I'm his social media coach and he's going to give daily updates about what he's doing in the world so we can keep that algorithm going, right? Right. Yeah, the mighty algorithm. And I like that you're coaching me and, and you're being so gracious because yeah. uh, they don't come across as angry. It's like inspiring, inspiring me to action. Right. You're supposed to post. I'm like, okay, I'm on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, it's just it's just one of the natures of the beast. But, yeah, man, this is, this is great. And where does it, just as we close, we talk about starting five years old. How do you, where do you take the book to? All the way to your current Right, I age? take it to the current age of 44. And uh, a lot of it is... Um, you know, just wondering, you know, if it's such a thing. But you have an autobiography part two 
if I was to write from 44 until I'm blessed to live to say 80, you know, so I've had that funny thought um, that would I write part two when I'm 80 or 70? Yeah. And look back to when I was 44. Yeah. I, I, you could say, you could say I didn't take myself seriously. Uh, do you hear the music, Mike? I hear the music. Well, I tell you what, this, this thing is just working like our, our remote team has got the music coming on, huh? Yes, what's up? <laughs> Hit the button. So, so Mike, uh, we thank you so much. Thank you for, we're getting ready to eat some pizza. Then we're going to do some more tech training. I'm going to show him how we close this show down because he's going to co-host for me when I'm out. Uh, and uh, obviously he's with us on when I'm on, but also he can run the show when, you know, Charity and I take a vacation. You know what I mean? Right. Um, we're, we're trying to set things up to where it's not a single point of failure. And Mike is such, he's been so gracious. Uh, Greg always helps us in the background, keeps the comments going, keeps the chat going in the live, and uh, also works with scheduling and helping our guests beyond. So if you like to, if you, we're getting ready to send out a mass, uh, a mass message to all the folks who have been on our show before. That's right. We're going to re-invite them back just because we want to be a blessing to them. You know, That's this right. is a blessed platform. This is the cathedral of resources, resources brother yeah you remember it man he's, I, remember. I thought he was going to say cathedral of tomorrow of <laughs> uh, pizza yeah so uh, all that goes into something like this writing a book uh, I, we, I hope that that people can see see we they will they, 10 people could read the same book right and pull something out different they can and, and so get his book We're, it'll be a huge announcement he's going to work on a online launch party and book signings and all of that but connect with him on facebook now you just go to mike black and connect with him there and guess what soon you'll get the book in your hand the journey of one tortoise don't take me too serious so uh mike any closing thoughts before we roll just uh so thankful to be in the studio and uh, see your wonderful grandbaby, and I actually got to hold her when I came in yes, the house. Yes, you did. Yeah, that is such a blessing, man. It's life in the future, and just uh, so thankful to be here. And thankful for all you guys out there tuning in. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, listen, man. We will. This closes out our week, right? Closes out when our we week. We go syndicated. I want this work week, bro. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, deuces. I think that should be. We should definitely get that accommodated for you. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I want to be able to telework. So just. Put that in my package. Me, me too. <laughs> oh, of course. And Greg, of course. I mean, this is a telework friendly company. So, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we pay every week. I ain't trying to get. I ain't doing no every two week paycheck. I want to check every week. I want to. I want because you don't feel broke when you draw every week, right? Dude. I got twelve dollars. You know what I mean? Whoop, whoop. So, uh, <laughs> look for us back. We'll be back here in the studios. Uh, Mike will probably be with me online Monday night, seven p.m. For another exciting episode of Impacting Life 24-7. Thank you so much, Greg. Appreciate you. Thank you, everybody. We'll talk to you later. Bye, everybody.